In the beginning, God, the law of the universe. The same law in all units, it creates vegetable or animal. The same law circumvents abnormal conditions as best it can. The same law personifies itself in quadrupeds and bipeds of the vertebrata, species, and families. If all the channels of communication are open, free and clear of impediments, obstructions, hurdles, or interferences in its path. In the beginning, God, man being one creation, medicine, per se, is supposed to be scientifically due from outside what God can't do from the inside of man. Educated medical men and scientific medicine with test tubes, microscopes, and laboratories with endless compounds deny the cult tenets of abilities of the supreme internal function. God, no matter how defined, is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, inside of man and the creation of man. Where is this in man, if it isn't man at all? If it is, this is this all-pervading internal power must be recognized and established as a dominant factor in healing with man, sick or well. <clears throat> this is from Palmer's Law of Life, uh, which was written in the 50s, 1950s. Um, I want to illustrate to you just briefly how I think this kind of works. Um, and I'm going to take you back to a time when some of you probably weren't even born, 1983. I'll say some of you, right? That's a few of us some of, most of us, most of you in the room were not born in 83. And um, in 1983, this is before I even heard of the word chiropractic, uh, I was going to be a medical doctor. Uh, that was my goal. I was a, a, a junior in uh, SUNY Albany in New York. And one of the things that I had always had as this sort of fear was I didn't, I had this fear of people with developmental disabilities. Um, I, I, people with Down syndrome, and people start with palsy, and people in wheelchairs. I was super afraid of that kind of uh, situation. And I think it's because my parents, loving but well-meaning, they taught me like, if you see someone like that, you don't look at them, you steer away from them, you move away from them, give them room. So I kind of was, in my brain, my young brain, it was sort of like, okay, they don't go near them. So um, as I was, getting ready to like take MCATs. I was thinking about taking MCATs and starting to think about medical schools and stuff before and heard the word chiropractic. Um, I said, you know, I've got to like prepare myself and because I'm probably going to encounter these kind of children and adults with cerebral palsy and Down syndrome and other kind of problems. So I better prepare myself now. So one of my friends, Aaron, was there. Uh, she was working at what was called then <coughs> the Home for the Retarded. That's what they called it. It's not called it anymore. It's now the home development in the disabled. But back then, retarded <coughs> was the common word in the 80s. So uh, she said, you really should work, because she also wanted to connect with her. And she said, you really should work with, at this place, because it's gonna, it'll help you kind of confront your fears with, with this whole thing. And this way, when you're working in the field, you won't have, you know, you won't be afraid of children or adults with disabilities. And I said, that's a great idea. And she said, I think it'd be great to the place and we have an opening and I can help you. She's a, she's a supervisor there. So I, I got the job and I started working there. Uh, and it was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences I ever had in my life because uh, first off, um, number one, I lost that fear that I had of, of dealing with people with disabilities. Uh, and number two is I found how beautiful they were. Right? I found out that, that people with cerebral palsy and Down syndrome and, and all these other uh, developmental issues 
were just the most loveliest people, and I, I had nothing to be afraid of. And my parents really <clears throat> kind of did me a, a loving, but they did me a disservice by pointing me in a, in a wrong direction. Uh, so that was the, the first thing. But here's the second thing, and I'm going to loop you kind of now, fast forward you to this week. So that was 1980, right now we're in 2019. So <clears throat> one after the other, this happened. So a child comes into my practice a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, who is very low functioning autistic, has hardly any words. Um, and the main reason why the parents brought her uh, in is because she's kind of aggressive. When she doesn't get her way, she's relatively aggressive. And uh, they want to find a way to calm her down, right? Uh, and chiropractic, what, you know, a lot of these kids, when they're, uh, they're so stuck in sympathetics that, that they just don't know what to do but lash out. So um, I started adjusting her. One of my first visits with her, uh, I happened to be wearing, not these glasses, but a pair of glasses kind of like this. Um, and she'd already kind of like, was, you can see sort of agitated or whatever from the first exam. So one of the first adjustments, she has this tendency of like being a very quick slapper. Uh, her parents are warning about this. Um, and she, I know she didn't mean it because this is just where her brain sits, but I was adjusting her cervicals and she just went whoosh like this. And, and luckily, I'm, I've done enough of this in the 30 years that I'm pretty experienced to move. Right? So I moved back and she just caught my glasses and my glasses went flying off my head and the lenses split uh, out of the glasses and stuff. So luckily, nothing worse could happen. I'm glad I have this, these hockey instincts. <laughs> hockey instincts. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was very eye-opening, right? And it was totally eye-opening and almost brought a tear to my eye because I said, parents like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I said, don't worry, don't worry, it's totally fine. But uh, what it reminded me was, like, back in 1983, I had the same experiences, right? In 1983, when I was dealing with, with these children and adults with development, I had the same experiences, where they would kick, and they would spit, and they would hit, and they would yell, and do all these kind of crazy things, and I got used to it then, right? So now, 30-some-odd years later, when something just happens, I'm like, it's just part of the game, right? I understand this. But here's the thing, and, and to talk about what BJ mentioned back in the 1950s, and this is the first chapter here. <clears throat> How did, like, God planned me for this? Do you understand that, right? In 1983, I was being planned for this, right? But I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't realize in 1983 that in 2019, I'm going to have some kid break my glasses, and I'm going to be totally okay with it and not freak out, because in 30-some-odd years before that, I had practice with these kids, right? So I want you to think about this. And then the next patient is a young girl with cerebral palsy in a wheelchair, right? And years ago, I've been so afraid of that, back in the 80s before I, I started working here, and now she's a new patient, and now I'm like, I, I know how to reach these you know, children with disabilities, and I'm rubbing her feet because a lot of kids like this, they love them. And she's calming down. You see, she's also got angry like this. And I'm rubbing her feet, and she's calming down. How did my, how did God, or an A, or whatever you want to call it, know in 1983 that I was going to be someone who's going to mostly work with kids with special needs? How was that, is like, that boggles my mind, right? How was that? How was I prepared for this? And you know what's super cool is like the whole point of what we do, if you talk about full circle, the whole point of what we do is back then I learned in the 80s at this 
home that I, that I was working at is I learned how to calm these kids down. Right? I learned that you can't talk to them the way you and I talk like this. You have to talk much slower and quieter. Right? You have to kind of re talk to them in this sort of manner because this is how you're going to calm and reach them. Right? And I knew, even back then, before I knew what sympathetic dominance was and how I need to work on their personal legs, I knew that we had to calm these kids down. And now, this little girl who several weeks ago would come and slap my hand, uh, my head, and break my glasses, or spit at me, or try to kick me, or try to bite me, now she comes in and she she sits down on, this is how she likes me, just she goes onto a, a chair like this in my office, and puts her head down like this, and she lets me reach her spine. And do you know what, how important that is? That's a vulnerable position, right? To, for someone to be okay to present, anybody, I want you to think about this. When someone lies face down on the table, do you know how vulnerable that is? If you're out in the wild, right, you're on the wild, you never put your back to someone, right? Animals do not put their back to someone because that's the vulnerable part. A lion is going to jump on a, you know, an antelope on its back, right? So the back in your brains is a vulnerable position. So you really got to understand when someone lies down on the table or they present their child to you and put them face down on the table, that is a huge thing for that person to be able to do that. This girl could not have done that before. And now she's not ready to lie face down. She does not where she's at. And I don't care. Right? When you deal with special needs kids, I don't care whether I adjust them. Right? But she lies like this. And she just rocks in the chair like this. And now I have a whole back and neck and cranium that I could work on without a problem. Because, because what happened is now that you know she you know the, the, the crazy safety pin thing, right? It's like I wish we had two of them, right? Because the one's like this and it's open, right? And what do we do, right? We close the pin, right? And so when I see that young girl and she sits there on the on the, the chair like that and she allows me to adjust her, I know I'm we're closing the safety pin with her. Right? That doesn't mean that she's gonna, you know, return to a hundred percent normal function. No, that's not my goal. When a, a child with disabilities comes in, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I do know one thing, and I'm going to close the safety pin and allow that body to work better. Whatever that means. Right? So if the parents say, is she going to talk? I don't know. Right? Is this girl who's in the wish going to walk? That, that was a father asking that. I don't know. That's not my goal. As, you know, when you write your goals and stuff, my goal isn't, you know, have a child that's not talking to the talker. I have no idea what my, what, what's going to happen. My goal is improve their nerve system. That's my goal. Improve their nerve system, make the nerve system function better, make their, get them calmer, right? Improve eye contact, improve socialization. That's a much more reasonable goal than to have, now, will, that, is this girl talking? Yes, she is. Uh, is this young girl? Uh, who knows? Who knows what's possible, right? Neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity says that if we introduce a new and novel input into the body, that different pathways can be created in the brain. So, do I know what pathway is going to be created? Do I know of some child who can't talk and be able to talk? I don't know. But understand that the most beautiful thing about this is that I was prepared for this, right? 30 years ago, some forces knew and kicked me into this direction to have a friend named Erica who was working at a home for the disabled, and she got me this job there, and I was trained to be okay with this, right? So what I want you to think about now is you're being trained 
now to do something later, I don't know what, but 20 or 30 years from now, there's going to come a time when you have to learn to look back like I do at age 55 and being in practice for 30 years, and I can look back and I can see the pivotal moments, the pivotal moments that got me here, right? Just really think about it. How did you all get here? And I don't mean driving or whatever, just, you know, or walking from the commons or something. I mean, how did you get here, right? Because, I, and yeah, I know we all have the GPSs, right? We can say, well, I said, you know, I used the Google Maps on my phone. Well, I'm not talking about that either. What I'm talking, there's two kinds of GPSs, right? There's the GPS that you use in the mall, you have a map on your car or something. That's one GPS. But the GPS I'm talking about is the internal GPS, the innate directed GPS that uh, your body is kind of, we call it future pull. Wayne Dyer nicknamed Future Pull. That there's a there's a something that's pulling you, right? And I didn't know I was gonna work for, you know, like like how children who had disabilities in 1983, I had no idea that was gonna be my primary focus in my chiropractic practice. <coughs> I thought it was gonna be another doctor that figured I'd just do this just so I could get over fear. So all the stuff that you're going through right now, I want you to think about it. There's, there's a bigger reason that you're going through whatever you're going through. Than just to pass a test or pass OSCEs or boards or x-ray or whatever. There's a way, way, way bigger reason that you're having the experiences you're having. There's a way bigger reason you're seeing the exact patients you're seeing in student clinic or outpatient clinic or in peak in a couple of quarters. You know, there's a way, way, way bigger reason you're being trained for this because that is going to help you later on for something else, right? So sometimes we, we sit and we look at what we're, our present situation like, but why are we doing this stupid thing? I'm telling you, in 20 years, you look back and say, that's why I was doing that stupid thing. That's why I was put in that class. That's why I had to do this. That's why I did that. It's all going to make sense, right? But you have to allow that future pull to pull you through and realize that there's sort of a, a, there's a reason, a way bigger reason than we can ever imagine.